The unforgettable 1916 Jersey Shore and Matawan Creek shark attacks was a turning point in ocean perception. Up until 1916, a lot of people didn't know about sharks and you know how devastating they can be if they come into to contact with any of their prey for that matter. And humans are not on their menu, but once they'd seen the Jersey Shore shark attacks, people started to take notice. Prior to this, they, they thought that giant turtles could wreak more damage. But the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916 were a series of shark attacks along the coast of New Jersey. During that summer, four people were killed and one critically injured and one grazed. The incidents occurred during a deadly summer heat wave and polio epidemic um, in the United States that drove thousands of people to the seaside resorts um, of the Jersey Shore. And since then, uh, scholars have debated which shark species are responsible and the number of animals involved, with the great white shark and the bull shark most frequently cited. Personal and national, national reaction um, to the fatalities involved a wave of panic that led to shark hunts aimed at eradicating the population of man-eating sharks, although in the beginning it was man-eating swordfish, man-eating sailfish, man-eating turtles, and protecting the economies of New Jersey seaside communities. Resorts towns enclosed their public beaches with steel nets to protect swimmers. Scientific knowledge about sharks before 1916 was based on conjecture and speculation. The tax forced ichthyologists to reassess common beliefs about the abilities of sharks and the nature of shark attacks. So just to go through the, the actual incidents that happened, between July the 1st and the 12th, 1916, five people were attacked along the coast of New Jersey and only one victim survived. The first major attack occurred on the Saturday the 1st of July, and you must know that at this time everybody's at the beach. But the behavior of the people, and I love history, and the behavior of people is not how we would envisage it today. People would, were, you were not allowed to show a leg, um, you had to be completely uh, clothed all the way to your ankles. Uh, but what had happened more is that people started wanting to rebel, and and the big craze of the time, if you were a strong swimmer, you'd be a very attractive to the opposite sex. So you'd get these crazy people swimming, and they'd try to separate themselves from the crew and swim for far distances. And th these were all new. It was uh, things that never happened before. And um, anyway, so cut a long, a long story short, Charles Fassant was one such individual from Philadelphia, which was just up the road, on vacation. And he went, to, went for, a, for a long swim um, in, in the Atlantic. And he had a golden retriever that joined him. And uh, some, some, a dog that was running on the beach. And he played fetch, fetch with the dog. Nobody knew who it belonged to. When he went into the water and he swam a far distance with the dog, suddenly started screaming. And a shark had actually bitten for son's leg off below the knee. He was rescued by the lifeguards. A bystanders who claimed that the shark followed him to shore as they pulled the bleeding for sun from the water. His left thigh was stripped of its flesh. He bled to death in the manager's desk. Probably this would have been an attack that um, the victim would have survived um, in today's day and age. Despite the Fasant attack, beaches along the Jersey Shore remained open. And this is classic Jaws movie stuff. Sightings of large sharks swimming off the coast of New Jersey were reported by sea captains entering the ports of New York and New York City, but they were dismissed. Second major attack occurred three days later, July the 6th, apologies, five days later, at the resort town of Spring Lake, which is 45 miles or 72 kilometers north of the first attack. Uh, the victim was Charles Bruder, and he was a, a bell captain at the Essex and Sussex Hotel, 
once a game he was swimming going for a long swim and um but this time the the um it was more a, a more brutal attack Bruder's blood turned the water red after hearing screams a woman notified two lifeguards that a canoe with a red hull had capsized and um but it was just um his Bruder's blood um while the uh, the white which is a lifeguard rode to Bruder in a lifeboat and realized he'd been bitten by a shark they pulled him from the water but he bled to death on the way to shore According to the New York Times, women who were panic-stricken and fainted at seeing the mutilated body. Guests and workers at the Essex Hotel and neighboring hotels raised money for Bruder's mother in Switzerland. So that was two attacks. So, so now there was absolute pandemonium. Um, if you can just imagine two attacks in such a short space of time, relatively close together. Um, then the people started to demand, what are you going to do? How can you protect us? Et cetera, et cetera. So... Um, uh, it, it was, it, this type of panic setting in was unknown actually in any type of situation in the United States or anywhere in the world but now what happened next was just insane the next three attacks took place in a creek so Matawan Creek near the town of Keyport um, is just below New York um, it's located 48 miles north of the second attack at Spring Lake and inland of Raritan Bay. Raritan Bay, if you if you like pirates, was a famous place where all the the famous pirates of of, of the old era used to hook up and hide away. Uh, Matawan resembled a midtown, midwestern town rather than Atlantic Beach Resort, and uh, Matawan's location made it a very unlikely site um, for interactions with sharks and humans. And there was an old sea captain that had seen a lot of time at sea and a lot of big sharks. And he saw a, sh- uh, a fin going under the bridge and um, at just entering the creek. And he ran and he told everybody the afternoon before. And nobody believed him. And that same afternoon, the kids were swimming in the creek. And one of the kids got grazed. On his, his, he, he went to, the, to the, um, the local hospital to get first aid because he had massive graze in his chest. And they said it must have been where he grazed himself on, on a... Um, on one of the jetties, the old jetties in the water. He, um, but nobody thought anything of it. So the next, the next day, the schools were let out early because it was a viciously hot day. Um, and <clears throat> all the boys had started playing in the creek and they brought along their pet dog, which was swimming with them as well, at an area called Wyckoff Dock. They saw what appeared to be an old black weather-beaten board or a weathered log. A dorsal fin appeared in the water and the boys realized it was a shark. Before Stillwell could climb from the creek, the shark pulled him underwater. The boys ran to get help and several men, including local businessman Watson Stanley Fisher, came to investigate. Fisher and others dived in the creek up and down. They went, dived to the bottom of the creek, up and down, up and down. I couldn't find him. They swam to the edge to get their breath. Stanley Fisher said, I'm going to go for one more dive. He went down and he felt the body of, and it's, there's no visibility in there, he felt the body of the young boy and he started pulling it up. But when he pulled it up, he didn't realize but the shark still had the boy's body in its mouth and he let go and he actually went for Fisher. Fisher was also bitten by the shark in front of the townspeople, losing Stillwell in the process. He sank. His right thigh was severely injured and he bled to death at Monmouth Hospital that evening. Stillwell's body was recovered 150 feet 46 meters upstream from where they were. The fifth and final victim, Joseph Dunn, 
of New York City was attacked half a mile from Wyckoff Dock, nearly 30 minutes after the fatal attacks on Stillwell and Fisher. The shark bit his left leg, stripping it of the flesh, but Dunn was rescued by his brother and friend after a vicious tug of war, and he believed that the, what Dunn had said is he believed the shark had swallowed him. Dunn was taken to St. Peter's University Hospital in New Brunswick. He recovered fully from the bite and was released on September the 15th. Now you can just imagine the national media descended on Beach Haven, Spring Lake and Matawan. The Jersey Shore attack started a shark panic, which was unrivaled in American history. The growing panic across New Jersey resorts an estimated $6.7 million in today's terms in lost tourism and sunbathing declined by 75%. So you can imagine there was massive pressure on all the officials. Now there was the hunt. They used dynamite to blow up the creek. Uh, Everywhere in the creek, they they didn't find any sharks. They also supplied all the lifeguards with rifles. One big shark was seen, and they tried to shoot it off New York. Um, So everything was done to try and hunt these monsters, as they so called it. And then one gentleman, um, who is a taxidermist, caught a great white um, at Raritan Bay, which is very, very, just to the entrance of the creek. And he, by mistake, captured it. It got caught in his fishing net. Two and a half meter shark, um, or, or less than two and a half meters. So I can just say, from my experience, that that's a baby. It's really a baby that maybe could have been alive on this earth for a year or even less. And um, he brought it to, and they, and they cut open the shark. And um, they found what they believed and scientists stated were human remains. And it could have been 15 kilograms of human remains. It could have been very much um, still Will's body. But subsequently, after that, no effect uh, attacks were reported along the Jersey Shore in the summer of 1916. And so they felt that that great white shark was actually the Jersey man-eater. But we've moved along significantly since then. And there's, although none of us will really know what actually happened because it's such a long time ago and a lot of the evidence is no longer available. Um, the, one of the suggestions was at the time that the Germans had orchestrated it because there was a U-boat patrolling up and down the East Coast. So they thought, no, these Germans had, had trained a vicious shark to, to basically attack the, the United States citizens. Anyway, basically this, this set of events has, has, has really taken massive interest around the world. And people are trying to look at it from a science perspective nowadays. And I think this is a great story for us to kick off um, the very, very first season of Shark Stories. Um, and um, it's a new podcast. My name is Anthony Meterer. Um, I have a passion for sharks. I did spend some time um, in my past life working um, in the Natal Sharks Board which is very much against what I believe now and very much against the principle of what my co-host believes in. I'm very excited um, to have uh, Dr. Sarah Andriotti join us um, for this podcast. She'll be my co-host um, this, in the series. Uh, Dr. Andriotti has, has got a PhD in marine biology. She got her her um, honors here in, in the Western Cape studying great whites. She's also an expert on shark behavior which i think is great for us now and she swam with all the charismatic sharks we talk about the charismatic sharks great whites bulls and tigers and sarah's uh, swam freely with them so she has a lot of knowledge so welcome sarah thank you very much it's great to be here 
Well, I'm very excited to to kick off our first season with the set of events could have been what um, where Jaws came from, where Peter Benchley got his ideas to base his fictional um, account of Jaws and and uh, some attacks later on. But um, what is your take um, on on the Jersey Shore shark attacks, referring mostly to the set of events and the way people thought that it was one shark in those days? Well, first of all, that happened 107 years ago. So we struggled to analyze shark accident when they happened a month ago, let alone almost more than a century ago. Um, but what interests me the most is the, um, the wave of heat that you mentioned um, just now. They spoke about a heat wave and sharks in general are very sensitive to change of temperature. White sharks are one of the few species that can warm up their body 8 to 15 degrees higher than the water temperature. And when you have an increase in temperature, they also increase their activity. They become a little faster. They want to eat a little more. And when the water temperature drops, then they become more lethargic. Okay, so, there's so, a, so they were quite, what you're saying is they were quite active at this time, possibly. It, a heat wave could cause uh, the sharks to be a little more active. Okay. And the other thing is, in that story, I personally don't think it was just one shark. I know it makes a very good story to tell people it's one raw shark that did it all. So we have a shark to blame. Um, but if a heat wave like that uh, happened, it would make sense that there were even different species involved. Okay, so effectively the rogue shark theory, I think a lot of scientists since then have, have Move away from it, moved right? away from yeah. the rogue shark theory. Um, and the distances, are the distances significant in this? Or, or, or a shark could swim easily that distance in a few days? Yes, I did calculate how fast they would have gone uh, when they said that there was um, the two accidents happened 30 meters apart. Um, the shark would have had to go 1.6 kilometer per hour, which is feasible. Okay. Uh, but again, in a situation like that, when you have an increase of temperature in the water, it would make sense that different individual sharks would have had the same kind of um, attitude for mm. the day. I was recently in Bahamas with Cristina Zanato. She works, she's been diving with sharks for the last 30 years. And she was telling me how even before a storm, that you have an increase in heat and then you have a big storm coming, a hurricane, a big storm, the sea is dead calm, but the sharks are overly active. So in the past, she used to take clients diving with the animals. And now, even if the sea is really, really flat, she stopped doing that. Okay. And it's very difficult for them to explain to the client why they wouldn't go to sea. But she listened to how the shark's behavior is and is always safety first in these kind of dives, right? And then um, just uh, uh, roundabout, because there was a dog in, in, in the Matawan Creek attacks and there was a dog also in the first shark attack um, on the coast at Beach Haven. Uh, would the dogs have played a role in attracting the shark to, to, the, to the particular victim? No, I like statistical significance. Most people probably was going to the beach with dogs anyway. It's like the theory that shark would bite people more if people are peeing in their wetsuit, mm -hmm. but most people do. Yes. Um, <laughs> they have two kinds of divers, the one that pee in their wetsuit and the one that lies about it, right? So <laughs> it's a difficult variable to put in the situation. Yeah. I think the temperature would have been a big... A the big, main... The, main the fact that more people went to the beach that never happened before. And a hundred years ago, the shark population was a lot healthier than they are now. So the chances of encountering them was higher. 
And and the the big question, obviously, and that, and and there's been documentaries in, in National Geographic, etc. Could it have been a great white or a bull shark? Um, that, you know, it might have been a tiger in the sea. I don't know. But um, what is your thoughts on on the five shark attacks? So we've established that that it could be different sharks, mm-hmm. but the Matawan Creek attacks, which are three of them, and then one of them got brushed. Um, could that have been one shark? And or could it have been a bull shark rather than a great white? Uh, that's complicated. Could have been both because I was reading up and they said that there was an increase in salinity inside the creek at the same time. So a juvenile white shark could have also tolerated this. But it's more likely that it was a bull shark because bull shark normally go into creeks because mm. they can tolerate uh, lower salinity. Yeah. Uh, the brush thing is awkward because they're saying this boy got brushed so a shark would have had to swim backward to brush him because okay. when they swim forward, their skin is very smooth. Mm. It only feels like sandpaper when you stroke the shark tail to nose. Okay. So how would have that be a shark? Okay, so that's interesting. So maybe it was a um, part of maybe a Maybe it was just a JT. It and was actually be, a JT, and it's an, a story that came in through the years. Yeah. It could have been something that's been added to that's it. That's it. And if we look at the, the, the great white, and it's because, you know, both of you, both of us love, they love shark so much. And the great white, that's such a baby great white. Uh, the one that he caught was was literally, I mean... Uh, no, it's a baby. People don't realize a, a female white shark must be at least four and a half meter long before she starts reproducing. And a male mm. must be 3.8 meter long. Mm. So a two and a half meter is a juvenile. Yeah. And the other thing when they find remains of people in shark stomach... People never think about the fact that these animals are also cleaning up um, if they f- see dead bodies, dead meat in the water. So whether the shark bites the people before or after the person is uh, drowned is very, very difficult to determine. Mm. It could have been just a, you know, a dead body that the, pers- the shark went and bite. So I think that... that Okay, so, so I'm not a scientist, so it, it, sometimes I'd like to jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people to create, um, you know, this yeah, blood blood cell, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. your blood <laughs> cell. So you and you would like to jump to conclusions, but you can't because there's so many no. variables that are not uh, that maybe couldn't have taken place at the time. But you also, I and if you look at it, you say there were five shark accidents, right? Yes, none of them got eaten. They all got beaten. All the people got beaten and, and died because they bleed out. Mm. So that, in my mind, says a lot about the fact that we're not part of the shark diet. Mm. So a, a shark accident, a bite can happen, um, but it's not necessarily the shark attacking the person to have a meal. That's 100% valid, and I think that's a very, very important point to end on. Our next episode is going to be also something that people have said um, Jaws was loosely based around. It's based in South Africa on our East Coast. It was termed Black December 1957. I look forward to bringing that to you. Thank you for listening to the Shark Stories. We build this podcast so that people can look at sharks in a different way.